to be honest, where I was at with touring, I was very kind of, um, I was sort of dissatisfied, not with the act of actual touring, not with the act of performance and, uh, and playing for people. But I was pretty tired of the business, um, the business model that touring, uh, that is touring and was uh, having a lot of questions about touring as a business model and, you know, input versus output, what, you know, what, what you put in and what you get out of it. I was questioning that a lot. So it was actually kind of perfect for me. People who aren't Miley Cyrus or, or I guess, Billie Eilish or whoever, touring is traditionally something you need in order to sustain yourself at all. Because, you know, at this point, streaming revenues and everything else, like there's not a ton of money necessarily coming in through the, the album making process. Have you found a way that works for you to shift that model where you're not entirely reliant on touring? I really was having a, a hard time saying that touring really added to my bottom line. I think there's people in my world that would disagree with me, but I didn't really think that I was sort of, I don't, I didn't think I was surviving on touring really when it came down to it. Um, tour is, touring is such a insane, uh, has so much overhead, especially if you're a person who likes playing with other musicians on stage, the financial toll and the, mental health toll to me wasn't really worth it. So I've found a way with uh, recording music and streaming and doing things here and there, doing production for other people. Um, that's been a great way for me to stay being a, a working musician. Do you think though that you're, you know, with an album coming out and obviously things starting to reopen, do you think you will feel compelled to return to that to some degree? Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting because I think that the record that I that I've made um, very much is going to. I think it wants to have a life in the live space, and and I really want to give it that life and give it that attention more so than maybe any other record I've made. This this record really feels like a, a record that should be seen live. So I'm excited about it. Um, I'm just happy that there was this sort of reset to kind of. Uh, give time and space to reconsider how that's done and what, what the values are and to reconsider, you know, what the audience gets out of it um, and uh, making their experience even more worth it, especially after this little break. Being compelled to take a break because of COVID, that aside, are you somebody who generally feels the need to take significant time off, take time off, have time to yourself, you know, after the album to kind of just generally recharge as a human? I think that that stuff's important, but I, I, I wouldn't say I'm necessarily very good at it. Um, I think that that's, that's one of those things that you kind of would find in a, a musician self-help book. <laughs> but um, I, I don't actually know. I don't really know how to relax um, and not do anything. Although I am, I am taking a little trip this weekend for my birthday and, and I'm hoping that that sort of recharges me. What does it mean to not be able to do that? Just that you're like always creating music or, or in and around music to some degree? Yeah, I think that I, I think I have trouble. I think I've been doing music so long that I don't know how to do much of anything else. To be honest, the only time that I can really get my head completely out of music is uh, uh, working on my motorcycles uh, in my garage. And it's funny because 
I had a friend over last weekend, and we were we were taking off all of the tin, all of the tins on the motorcycle to get them painted. And he, we were like, we were drinking tequila and doing it, and he was like, "Where's the tunes, man?" And I was just like, oh, "I don't, I don't listen to music when I work on my motorcycle. I'm not. I, I just, it's really the only time when I can get my head completely out of it. It's sort of music is." For better and worse, it really is this addiction uh, that I have. I make too much of it. Truly, honestly, I, 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 I'm not. Um, I'm not exaggerating. I make too much music. I should make less, but um, it's it really is this addiction um, that is hard to let go of. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's a difference to, between making music and consuming or, or listening to music but do, do you find that because this is something that you do do professionally and have done for professionally for so long that you're not able to passively engage with it well i have a thing that i, I can't i haven't decided whether it has to do with <clears throat> when i listen to music i'm immediately trying to figure it out i'm trying to i'm kind of deconstructing it in my head a lot of the time which is why i love film so much moving images helps distract me and I can enjoy a sound because I'm sort of distracted in a way. But when I just listen to music, I think there is a part of me that's always doing that. Like it looks, you know, it looks like a, a shitty um, Tom Cruise movie where like minority report. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 that is, that is sort of how my brain sometimes approaches music. Even if it's like old classic music, I still am very much just trying to decode it. Which is, it's just kind of, uh, it comes with the territory when you, I think when you get into production, you're kind of hungry to figure it out all the time. For me, it's, it's, it, it really, honestly, I, I said this to another friend, I said, I think the only time I enjoy music is when I'm drunk at a bar or um, when I'm just drunk in general. I can, I can sort of, uh, like if I'm down in the Dominican Republic um, drinking Cuba Libre and just like hearing music, certainly music from the Dominican Republic, like that music, I can always find a way to connect with in a very physical way. And I don't have to overthink it. There's just kind of a visceral appreciation you you can have of it where you're able to turn off that side of your brain when you've had a bit to drink. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that just like, you know, disconnecting from the, um, you know, and, and I, I think there's something about, I don't know, there's something about like living in America and being a professional in America. There's something really bad about how it, it does this thing to you where you always feel like you have to be creating or working or moving forward. I think capitalism is the word you're looking for. Yeah, I think capitalism. <laughs> yeah. New capitalism is really, it's, it's kicking our asses and, uh, and we're all poisoned by it. And I, rather than, rather than like, you know, sit here and bullshit about like the, the that's why I say like, I make too much music. I, I genuinely do. I, I, I don't like bullshitting and being like, oh, music is every, everything. And, and yeah. And, and, and then when I'm away from it, I just recharge my batteries, you know, like, all that stuff, I think, is bullshit. I think we're all caught up in this. Um, we're caught up in this thing where we've turned the thing that we love into the thing that we make money 
uh, some of us, um, if we're lucky, um, have have turned it into that. And it, and it's sort of like you never want the car to stop because you're afraid that it may not start again. You know, it's a problem. <laughs> so and and luckily, you know, like I said, there are places where I can go and things I can do, like simply turning off music. You know, like I said, working on my motorcycles and not listening to anything. Um, is so nice sometimes you know sometimes it's better it's better than music i think you're right that there's the sort of capitalistic element to it and there's a professional element to it but i i also think there's a degree of when i was in college i had a friend who was a uh a film major and it was just completely insufferable trying to watch movies with him because like he would just talk about all the shots and I think that there's also just this thing that happens to your brain. This thing that you've loved kind of becomes work and you need to reconcile that and you need to figure out a way to engage with it viscerally again. Yeah, I, you're, you're, that's totally it. And, and I oftentimes, I, I may not do the thing where I'm like breaking down music when, when sitting next to a person where we're listening to something. Yeah, because you're not a film student. But at, 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 but at the same time, there is this thing where I can't pay it. It's either I pay attention to them and the music is driving me crazy, or it's that I have no idea what they're saying and I'm, I'm completely embedded in the music. It's really hard to, it's hard to mesh anything right now because our brains are so on this, yeah, on the, on the, on the hustle mode. We're like set to permanently set to hustle. Is that a problem? Because this this is something that like, I assume, you know, you got into doing music professionally. I assume that it was something for a lot of your life has brought you a good deal of joy. You know, for me, listening to music has been kind of a mixed bag for me over the past year because I, I was dealing with some health issues and I, I went through a pretty bad out of depression and when i get super depressed I'm, I'm unable to listen to it but it was important when i could listen to it again it was it was an important thing that i think brought me brought me back and obviously music brings people great joy i can't imagine just completely sort of like losing that ability is, is that a hard thing to grapple with it's good it's good to turn it around and, and uh, talk to a musician about how great music is for sure so let's let's do that this is just like, it's just a realization that has come with, I think, maturity. I, cho- I chose to kind of look inside of the like magic box and take all the magical things out of that box. And now it's sort of my job to like pack another box for somebody else. And that's all I'm saying. Like, and, and when I talk about, about needing to detach myself from music, I more so just mean I I do need to kind of always come back to making music with the same wonderment that I used to listen to music with. And I'm not saying that I don't, there aren't, there aren't moments that, that make my head explode still. I still have those moments. They're fewer and far between, but those moments really do happen. You know, I was listening to the new Serpent with Feet recordings and I had those moments where I was just like, my brain wasn't set to, hey, figure this out. My brain was more just like, oh, my God, this makes me feel in my body, you know. Um, and there's still plenty of those moments. But I also have to be, be more active and looking, looking for those moments. And sometimes when you make music for 12 hours a day, you don't, you don't want to come back to that. But you're absolutely right. You know, I think 
a, a life without music to me is, I mean, that's not, that literally is not worth living. I, 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 if you turned off all the sound tomorrow, uh, I, I wouldn't be interested in, in, in finishing whatever this journey is. You, know? you alluded to this earlier, the, the kind of the, the difference between the upcoming records, you know, at least as it, as it pertains to wanting to play them in a live setting. Um, I was just listening to the, the new single earlier. You know, obviously, there's a lot of, I mean, I'm getting like, you know, some like a Gusus Pablo kind of dub, like with the melodica coming in and th- there at the end. And, you know, mm-hmm. obviously like the saxophone, you know, so so it, there, there seems to be sort of like kind of like a heavy like reggae influence there. Does the music that you're listening to that you choose to engage with in a certain period, does that have a direct influence in the music that you choose to make? I think that it does or it has, and it's, it's too hard to track what is like music I'm listening to that's affecting the music and what is like an idea that I have that I go sort of do research for. Those lines are much too blurred, but I think that a lot of this record is going back to a lot of music I listened to when I was like 18. I think I was really heavy into The Clash. I I don't think. I know I was really heavy into The Clash, into bands like Fishbone, into... I was getting like the English beat in there maybe a little bit. Yeah, English beat. I I was into a lot of punk stuff, but, um, but also I was obsessed with Stevie Wonder and when they re- reissued those Shuggy Otis records around the time I was like, I think I was 19 or something. And I heard that stuff when I was 19, I was just like losing my mind because to me, I was just like, man, this is like, this is like a more rock version of a Stevie Wonder record somehow. And, and uh, like almost like this punk a punked up version of a Stevie Wonder record. and Minnie Ripperton and like all this stuff. And even like, you know, I was thinking today too, um, there's a lot of Otis Redding stuff that is strangely punk. The live stuff for sure. The live stuff where he's playing everything like five times as fast. And it's just like when he's singing Satisfaction and then you're just like, you're, you're, it's like making the stones look like a total joke of all those guys like him maybe like wilson pickett but there were a few guys yeah. who like sound they were rock and roll singers absolutely wilson pickett for sure you know and all that all that stuff um is stuff that i sort of it's not stuff i forgot about it's but it's stuff that i like beat the living shit out of when i was i was at the end of my teenage years and an even bigger influence on this record was like you know sublime was like a was one of my favorite band from the time I was like probably six years old until present. I still listen to, I could listen to Sublime's entire catalog straight through and just be, I'm just, every time I do it, I'm like, this is incredible. And it's, and even, even in, in 2021 where I could like call them out for appropriation or something, I'm still like, no, these dudes earned every note on these records and they're and they're it's an it's incredible this amalgamation of american culture and and jamaican culture and socal sort of mexican culture and and pop music and it's just like still still some of my favorite shit and so all of those things reminded me about the times in my life where music really just did the body thing and wasn't so cerebral, you know, um, 
like I, I'm I'm really kind of over like music that uh, like I don't know I I, I don't want to like get myself into a jam but like there's a lot of like arty music that just feels a little bit devoid uh, a, a, a little void of of that uh, visceral thing that a lot of these people that I'm talking about create in their music. The supply thing is really interesting. Um, you know, it's something I've been thinking a lot about because there's never been a point during our lifetimes where it's like uncool to say you like The Clash or to say you like Stevie Wonder or Otis Redding. Like these are like, you know, that's like Prince or whatever, right? They're, they're yeah. like certain artists that are just kind of, or Bowie, like always, will always be Shame cool, evergreen. Free. And then there's Sublime or, and then there's like, you know, like I was like one of those like third wave ska kids. Like I was absolutely listening to all that stuff. You know, there's a certain point where you're like, all right, well, that was my adolescence. I'm going to leave it behind. Was, was there a sense of like, you're like, all right, I'm getting older. Like I'm maybe a little too cool for school and I don't really want to acknowledge that this is still a thing that I still appreciate. I can sit here and like, I can kind of like, I can turn more of a logic. Um, I, I can turn what were like actual just impulses into logic by talking about it. Um, so, I'm, so I'm careful to do that because so much of what I do is so impulsive. I literally will just like accidentally stumble on a song on a playlist and then I'll be like, I want to make something like that. Or I'm driven very much by like what I say is like God, the God voice. Like I really try to follow the God voice only and and not not sort of be like, I'm going to make this kind of record. Like I, I don't I don't like being in that space. So I didn't overthink it, but I, I know what I'm sort of dissatisfied with in the music world and there is a lot of like people taking themselves really serious i my, i am i am totally guilty of that as well and i didn't really like i didn't really like where my head was at inside of that space of taking things so seriously um i think that i think that the best music is fun music in the end and sort of the you know like the masterpieces or the things we think are masterpieces are, are not really, you know, I think, I think history tells us that the thing that is fun, the thing that is visceral, the thing that makes people move or the thing that uh, makes you tear up without thinking too much about the lyrics. It's just the mood makes you feel something. Those are the things that are, um, that's the music that's important. The flip side of the question is, so, so you know, like you said, in, with regards to Sublime, like if you wanted to, theoretically, you could call them out for appropriation. I, I know you toured with, with Beck and, you know, he put out the Midnight Vultures record, which is basically like Beck doing a Prince record. And, and when you talk about like Stevie Wonder, Otis Redding, you know, in my estimation, you're basically talking about the best music mankind has ever produced. So was there ever like, like, you know, Motown specifically, um, was uh, there ever a point when you were just like making something like this is like, is like insurmountable. So I might not as well even uh, try to attempt it. I never, ever try to, I never try to outdo or completely imitate any reference. And I never try to, uh, um, I always, or I, I sort of always know that like in, in my lyrics or the way that I approach lyrics, it's not going to be completely like perfectly nostalgic. 
music. I know we all talk a lot about like imposter syndrome or whatever, but like to me, yeah. you know, it was, it'd be like, I'm a writer. I write for a living, you know, and I don't think like tomorrow I could be like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to write a book in the style of Moby Dick. Obviously, you know, Beck is incredibly talented, but, but it does take chutzpah or something to like really be like, yeah, that's something that, that's something that I can do. That's something, you know, that like that, that is, I, I can, I can make that kind of music and, and succeed doing it. Yeah, I, I'm not super familiar with, with the Midnight Vultures record. So I think very much like I, I truly believe that there is no kind of value you can put on whether a person completely imitates something or, uh, um, or whether somebody like mixes it up, up and does like uh, does their kind of like mixed bag version of it or takes 25% of that. I was, I was working with a, um, a singer the other day on a, on a song and he was like, I want my record to sound like Rolling Stones, Gorillas and something else. I can't remember. And he played me a song and I was just like, this is exactly that. This is perfectly that. And like in the exact percentages that he said, and I was really impressed with that. Because I was just like, man, you know exactly what you want, and it really is coming out. And and maybe if you hadn't said it, I'd I'd scratch my head and and think about those influences. But I really was appreciative of the fact that that's what he wanted. He really wanted it to be equal parts for these four things, and it was. I don't think that that's the kind of music that I that I make. I think I'm. I think uh, just to bring it back to the writer analogy, because I think that that's I, I always think that this is really important. You know, I've heard that the best writers go back and will like, you know, sit down and write like the entirety of a Hemingway book out on paper so that they know what it even feels like for each word to come after the next. Right. I can understand and I can appreciate that exercise. Obviously, very obviously, if you did that, if you if you if you did that four times to with a Hemingway novel, you're probably going to spend the rest of your early in your career. You're probably going to spend the rest of your life writing somewhat like Hemingway, um, even if even if you do the same exercise ten years later with uh, with another writer, because those formative years are uh, they leave a stamp, a, a brand, or a stamp on you that sort of lasts a long time. And so when I talk about these influences, I think I'm more so talking about this, the shit that I was branded with, you know, like I forgot, I forgot how much clash, how much Joe Strummer is in my, like in my, in my veins, how much fishbone is in my veins, how much sublime is in my veins. Like I sort of learned pop music through them in a way. There's even like jam bands, like Dave Matthews band or something like there's stuff in there that is like in my veins from growing up in Florida and everybody in school listening to that. And those being like the first concerts we went to. I don't really know how that shows up in my music now, but I'm sure it's there, you know? And uh, yeah, I think, I think that's, I guess I'm saying like, I don't have a value system for either way, but what I'm talking about is certainly more the formative branding. A lot of your stuff has been in the past, like very heavily influenced by uh, new wave eighties production. Where, where does that enter into the picture? You know, I think that I maybe succeeded in finally making a record that has none of that. <laughs> sure. Congratulations, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm still like, I'm, st I'm still hearing those vibes and I'm like, 
okay, guys, even even I'm tired of it. But that's not also, also not true. Totally true. There's still Lindrum on this record. There's still synthesizers of that era. I just um, I think that <laughs> it's interesting. I, I genuinely believe that you know I, I had a my de- my screensaver is just this really insane color orange and was the entire time I was making the record. And I sort of put it there as a way to be like, no sound should deviate from too far from this color. I think that, you know, when I think about those new wave references, I think about teals and blues and white, whitish blue colors and, and neon, like neon greens and stuff like that. And I think of, I think that's what those sounds look like. And if you look at a lot of the equipment from those eras, a lot of the design is oftentimes full of this kind of cold lettering, cold colors, black, uh, you know. And I sort of didn't want, uh, I, I didn't want to have those sounds kind of invading this project. I wanted everything to be warm. I wanted everything to feel alive. I certainly, I certainly miss uh, sometimes that deathy pool, but um, I didn't. I just didn't feel that this time around. Do you think you might have synesthesia to some degree? <laughs> I, I, I don't even know what that is. I'm going to give you a really terrible explanation of it because I am absolutely not a scientist. But it has to do with people who like conflate senses so like there there are people who um who will tell you that like certain sounds have colors and it sounds oh. like like for you like the sound like music sort of just transcends sound itself um that maybe that could be true i feel like i saw maybe like a meme about this where like a musician was like no i don't see i i don't hear music i see music <laughs> and uh i don't know if i'm that but I certainly, there's certainly a, neuro, a neurotic kind of thing that I have about making music. Obviously, what I talked about before, this thing of like sometimes music is like abusive to me. Um, I obviously have a very, a very complicated relationship with it. So it is very psychological. But yeah, I think maybe. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> I'll have to. I'll have to go to the doctor. What does it mean to make too much music? It's something I've recently just been thinking about. So, so it's it's hard to even explain. But you know, I was playing. Someone was over at my house the other day, and I was playing them demos because I was looking for a song for them, and they were sort of just like, "Is that whole entire folder just?" are those each a song? And I was like, yeah. And I looked at it and it was like from, it was from December, 2019. I started the folder and inside that folder, there were almost 133 songs of hmm. uh, uh, so songs that no one will ever hear. You know, or maybe they will. What happens, I think when you're constantly working on music and I, I've sort of, what I've started, started to think about is like, I, I want to think about music more like a director would a movie where it's like, I, I want to spend more time thinking about music and and feeling music before I make it because I've sort of gotten really good at making it at the drop of a hat. And what happens when you do that is it's hard to sort of it's hard to sort of build anything on top of anything. It's sort of like you're you're creating these like this these like landmines like in this field. 
and you're hoping to step on one that's going to be like a big one and will like cause a chain reaction and set the rest of them off. But really, it's just like you're, you're sort of spreading them away, like too far away from each other and you may not step on one at all. I guess that's what I mean. Um, what I'm hoping to kind of focus on in the, in the next year is sort of really just sort of like thinking about the idea behind music more than the act of making it or separate or separate the two. Like, like I've been wanting to do like a jam with friends, like literally like have a jam band, but all we do is jam. Well, that's probably like partially a symptom of of social distancing for a year. You just want to like be with people and make music. That's true. And I mean, everybody who plays, everyone who actually plays with other musicians knows outside of the headaches of being in a band knows the insane magic that it is um, communicating through music with other people on my music side i, I want to be able to like sit around all day and think about the music i'm gonna make rather than just sitting down and doing it i just i just want to experiment with that i don't know where it's gonna lead me i guess it was before the last record i, I think like you know, maybe maybe five or so years ago, uh, there was the bus accident, and and I think you were dealing with you know, obviously like health issues, but depression on on top of that, which perfectly understandable. What relationship does an event like that have to? What impact does it have on your ability to make music? Was there just was there just a long period when when it kind of dried up for a bit? Yeah, I, I, the the bus accident. A hundred percent slowed. It literally made things come to a grinding halt. And, you know, it's interesting. COVID put the world at a grinding halt. And that was the grinding halt that I needed just personally, even outside of music. Um, But the grinding halt of the bus accident, I can, I can honestly say did nothing for me. It, it, It put me in, it put me further into a depression it um, not being able to use my hand for the better part of a year was very frustrating because you know people think oh play guitar I, I don't I don't care about playing guitar I care about playing my piano because that's where I write and um, without my right hand I just couldn't it, it was just so frustrating to compose music and then you know it it just I I, I honestly had this thing where I, I sort of got a paranoia about it. Uh, like, um, like this thing of like it, you know, the bus accident was inevitable. It's a sign. It's a sign about a lot of things, you know, um, you can really get stuck inside of that thing of like, that was my fate. And I, and I met it head on type of shit, which I sort of think is bullshit now. Like I, I really more so a person who believes that everything, everything is chaos. And sometimes you hit a wall, you know? Yeah. It, it, it dragged me into all kinds of weirdness. To be honest, I, I, I haven't figured out the, the permanent damage, nor do I want to focus on the permanent damage. I'm sort of, uh, I allow that black hole to exist in 2015. It's, it's still sitting there waiting for anyone or myself to return. I mean, obviously we're dealing with the the hand the injuries in and of themselves, but like, did you actually have to ramp up to the ability to create music again? Or once you were ready for it, did it all just kind of come rushing back? It was, it was like a slow climb back, you know? And I think that my last record is, uh, uh, my last record, Kair is a good, was a good example of someone falling off a cliff and, and slowly climbing 
back up. And I, and when I listen to it, I, I can hear that and I'm proud of it for that. It's, it, it has this sort of, um, not hopeful, but trying to be hopeful thing to it, which I can now appreciate.